Hello, and welcome back to the third episode of the NetCentric podcast. NetCentric is a cognizant digital business. I'm your host, Scott Mackin, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Gerhard Gerner, the CEO of NetCentric. Before we dive in, Gerhard, maybe you can give us a quick self-introduction. Hi, Scott. Thanks, of course. I'm Gerhard. I'm 49 years old, three kids living in Germany, married to my, my love from kindergarten. Now we are together now for... 45 years. It sounds like still living in my home village, basically. It sounds like I've never left, left that surrounding, but actually that's really true. I think we'll come to that later. I'm leading NetCentric. We're running holacracy. You know, we are a fl flat hierarchy. I think we are different, even like I'm have a title CEO. And I, I love what I'm doing, um, empowering our employees. That is really what is driving me. And I enjoy so much what I'm doing. I can't imagine doing anything else. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a journey uh, the last nine years, and we'll and we'll get into that a little bit later. But maybe we can go back in time to your earliest memory of technology. What was that very first memory that you have of of interacting with technology? I mentioned before I grew up in a small village close to Nuremberg, southern part of Germany, and I was so much into sports. You know what what boys do? You know sports, and I was into books. You know, if I'm not doing sports, I was I was reading day and night. Um, then what's, what comes the first technology? I think it was Christmas. One of my uncle's Christmas presents, it was Pong, you know, this arcade game. Yeah. Uh, connected still to a black and white TV. <laughs> so I think probably that was my first, really my first memory of something like, honestly, gadget technology. And a few years later, what I still remember also very clearly is my first uh, chess computer. Because somehow my, my brother and sister never played chess with me anymore. So that was like the, the gimmick I really enjoyed a lot. Yeah, I can, I can see that being the, 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 let's say, the early stage of video games and uh, getting that, that first taste of technology through, through that kind of entertainment. Um, so, so back to where you're from. You said you're from Nuremberg or from a little town outside of Nuremberg? It's more a village. Um, one of those villages you know, where everybody commutes to Nuremberg to work. Um, not really a strong profile, at least used to be. Now it has, of course, has, has all changed. I grew up here. I think I went to the first foreign country when I was 18. I saw the first sea when I was, I saw the sea first time when I was like 20 years old. And then I conquered the world, it feels like. I, we left together with my, my girlfriend and wife. We left that village. We moved to Munich first for a couple of years. Then we moved to Kuala Lumpur. So first January 2000. Um, we were, you know, not afraid of jumping on a on a plane, even like it was was a bit crucial, you know, to be nobody was expecting the computer like they all work and on that day. But uh, we jumped on a plane and, and moved with our two kids, small kids at that time, to Kuala Lumpur. And I was setting up uh, for our, our German company I worked before uh, a, a service consulting and support business over in Asia. Wow! So you, how long did you spend in Malaysia? Almost five years. Five years. So getting to that point, what did you study at university to, to kind of get you into that track of, uh, of information systems and technology? Nothing related. I would almost... <laughs> <laughs> I studied mathematics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very theoretical <laughs> mathematics. I, you know, one when you're I, 18 years old, it's like, what, what should I study? And I said, well, I just study the m most difficult one. And for me, it was, okay, let's, let's continue with mathematics. Of course, I had to earn my living, and then I was do some programming work for Siemens in my region. Basically, everybody works for Siemens. And uh, so also my family was very proud. 
as my father, my uncles, and basically everybody worked for Siemens. So finally, also because I'm proud of me as well, when I had a job at Siemens, and I, I did a lot of programming work there. So probably that is where I made a bit that direction in, into that area. Um, even like my first study, I, I did an MBA a couple of years later. My first study was theoretical mathematics, not related to anything. Yeah, but uh, but does give you some of uh, some of the background and baseline, at least analytical abilities to to dive into programming and and uh, what the future would become of uh, of technology uh, and and bringing that development. So from Malaysia, where did you go? Did you come back to Europe, or were you still staying in Asia for a while? No, no. We after five years, we said, okay, it's it's good. Our kids came to school, and we decided to come back. Uh, of course, staying in Malaysia, and I was traveling. I was traveling basically. Even mm -hmm. like on the weekends, I was back in Kuala Lumpur. During the week, I, I traveled to uh, many, many times to India, Thailand, Philippines, Australia. That was basically my, my living, um, running projects in Hong Kong. So basically on the road. When I came back, I, of course, it's like it was a long and very intense time. We came back, um, our kids went to school and I decided not to even to come close to an airport for one and a half years anymore because I was, you know, having like 100 flights a year and many of them long distance. I was tired of flying and we came back again to our village. As you know, when, you, when you're like living everywhere in the world, um, we came back, it was just easy, come back to our village. We, we bought us an old house, renovated it. And I, I did that on weekends and, and in the evenings beside my work and arriving back in Germany, but not flying anymore, driving a lot, definitely. but. I avoided any any flights for for actually a couple of years. Yeah, I can see that uh, overcorrection. Good. Okay, let's go back home. The quiet. Let's go back to where we come from and and let's raise our family there. Uh, that that I can definitely definitely um, uh, sympathize with that. And um, so so how did you arrive to to the team that would eventually build Netcentric? How did that come to be? You know, you you run a project. You meet people you like. You go out with them. Um, and you have fun. And then we, we built basically our, our island. We worked for a consulting company based in, in, in Munich. And we founded a team. And actually, we founded like an island within the company. So we are enjoying and we defined our own rules. We had our own coffee machine in the office. We had our own events. So we were building basically this kind of setup. And we were focusing on what also what we're still doing on the Adobe stack. That means on, on mm -hmm. building large websites. For, for banks and automotive companies. And, and we were doing that. And I still remember when my my best friend and buddy, Elian, came to my place, December, early December 2011, we were preparing a slide deck to our top management because we were tired of, of so small islands. We wanted to change the company we were working for. And we were sitting together for a day and we had a good slide deck, so I think. But also at the end, we, you know, we looked at each other and said, actually, we don't need the company. We can do that on our own. And then we decided to to found Netcentric. Um, we talked to a few other guys we like to work with. And that I think was a driving theme behind. Let's build something we really enjoy working for. And it's really our life and our passion. So it was the topic was clear. So running those larger projects, large enterprises, um, but fast, fast projects. It means changing them in their behavior on and, and doing projects with that Adobe stack. So we found a couple of our guys, we asked them and they were all like completely in. They trusted us very much. They still do. Many of them are still with us. Mm -hmm. And it's really a fun still doing that. And we really have 
built a, a set up a company where I believe everybody can grow and enjoy every day, every day's working life. You know, even it's still work, of course, it's not like sitting on a beach, but it's, it's work we really can enjoy and be empowered. And I mentioned it before with a flat hierarchy. I think we, we also definitely defined a system or created a system where we, where everybody can really involve and, and grow and enjoy. So that was from the very beginning then, that idea of the holacracy uh, set up the foundation of the company being a flat hierarchy. It was not at that time, of course, when you found a company, you, d you don't even think of this like, oh, what kind of structure we will have. You know, we had those 20 bodies around us. There was no hierarchy. We talked about everything together. And company involved, like already after, after six months, we had 80 employees. And, and then it starts basically when you have this company, when you, I did my MBA a couple of years before, you know, you, you learn a couple of stages of a company. Once you reach like 100, 100 employees, and I have to say that was completely true, suddenly you don't know everybody anymore. It was like right. from 99 to 100, suddenly, oh, who is that guy? I, I, I think I've seen him. You have done not the interview anymore, so you're growing. And the same also with your value. It is like, it is, you know, involving in direction you don't, you're not involved anymore, whether you like it or not, but it's also like it, it's happening. And at that time, you start really to think how to build structure. Mm -hmm. um, so we created our values, which was very important for us. And also, actually, sorry, that's not right. You don't create values. I think it's you reflect your values. So we looked into us and wrote down our values that we actually can communicate that a lot better to our employees. That helped a lot. And then not too much later, the question comes in, you grow to 150, then it's like, oh, a kind of structure would be nice. You know, we had some, some kind of team managers, but then we needed team managers of team managers. Like you build in a, a structure and coming from a consulting company, you know, logical step in and building units and, and on top of teams, but it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Because in, and then we looked different options and as, as it happened, you know, we, I met during an interview, somebody actually, Hans Jörg, he mentioned that, that holacracy, that word with age to me. I was like, uh, so it was the second interview, I had to ask him again what it's all about, you know, because somehow it was exciting. And I think at the end, we found holacracy and I believe holacracy found us. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a, the system we were running before. We didn't know it was holacracy. So we introduced a, a bit that, that's really structure of, of that system and it feels good, you know? Yeah. It just, you just knew it was right. It was something you were already doing naturally and now it had a name. Now it had a concept. Were, were there any, any other organizations or, or uh, companies that were operating like this that you could look at as a, as an example? Of course, you're reading then books, you know, you start reading books and there mm -hmm. was um, some, some larger ones, yes, based, they were like very much in, into the press even they now, uh, they're not into it anymore. Um, yes, there were some ideas around. And um, we tried it out, which is also one of the basic concepts of holacracy. Fair enough to try, you know, you try. Yeah. And if it doesn't yeah. work, you fix it and do it differently. So we tried it out. I think we had this mindset already very much into, in, into us and also employees we hired before, because at the end, what you do, you, of course, you look at, skills like you need for your project but at the end also you look at whether that person fits to you and that was always very important for us because we wanted to build something that is you know that first belongs to us but more even that belonging it is you know that you enjoy the daily work life 
And of course, what you do, you recruit people you like mm -hmm. or you potentially yeah, like at the moment you don't know yet. Um, that was basically what that was driving us. So speaking of things that you like outside of work, what sort of uh, hobbies and passions do you have now that uh, you're not playing Pong anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually not. <laughs> No, I, I'm what I do. I'm still a bit in sports, definitely. Um, uh, riding a bicycle at night, mountain biking, or sometimes mm. as a as a as an engine now. It's also fun. Yeah, yeah, that uh, makes the uphills I, a little bit more I, enjoyable. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I love flying drones. You know, I, taking pictures from a drone. That is so. That is typically my Sunday morning, five o'clock. Jump to my car, drive somewhere, drive, uh, fly my drone, take nice pictures from uh, sunrise. Um, that is actually what I enjoy a lot: taking taking pictures, especially from a drone. Also, normal but, pictures with normal cameras, but especially from a drone. That is. When did you get your first drone? Oh, I can't remember anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. I definitely trashed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, I have like, a, I buy every every new one coming out from one from one brand basically, and I have like a. They announce something new. I just buy and and fly and enjoy. And sometimes also you have some losses, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know the the drone graveyard out back. <laughs> there is a lake close to my yeah. place that is, has already eaten a, a couple of my drones. Yeah. So um. So speaking of which, do you? Do you feel like there you maintain a work-life balance, or are you one of the professionals that that integrates everything? That's just a work-life integration. It's all part of the same, the same uh, under the same umbrella. That's a that's a tricky question. Um, also, looking back again, why? What's the difference between our company and even the companies I I I worked before? Now I work a lot less. <laughs> I have to. That's say. nice. Um, <laughs> I think we, are, we, we, we build a system, uh, an environment which is non-political. I think mm. previous companies always remember, you always have to be online because something could happen. Right. And you needed to react because of, you know, position yourself and some manager was asking. And of course, when a manager asks, you need to reply immediately, even weekends. So in some way, we were always on. Mm -hmm. And and wasn't it centric? And also holacracy, because it's one of the, you know, you get things done and you also, you know, park it somewhere and do it afterwards um, in a complete non-political environment. Of course, we have clients. Also, we have, um, we need to work on weekends to, to set some projects, life, etc. But it's normal work. But for normal company life, I don't have to be 24-7 on. So I have, you know, when I, evening, I close my, my MacBook and here we go. I have evening. Yeah. No, I think that's important. I think that's more, especially after this past year and a half that we've all lived through. How did the how did you uh, survive twenty twenty? What is the wife from? Again, you know, when I came back to Germany, I stopped traveling. Of course, traveling came back, um, yeah. and before see, before March twenty, I again I was traveling two hundred twenty days a week a year. Yeah, hundred plus flights, um, a lot, spending many hours on trains. I mean, basically commuting to Zurich and then Monday morning, flying to London and other cities afterwards. So it was a lot of traveling, and then it was like I was for our event, which we also had to cancel our major event in Eccentric. I was in Berlin. That basically my wife needed to. She drove up by by car, and we drove by, back. That's it. Then no more traveling for. For more than a year, that was a, 
biggest trip. And I was never at home during weekdays. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly yeah, at home with my kids <laughs> um, and the girlfriend. So actually our lockdown was, it sense was, was not too bad because we're like seven of us living in a house. Um, so we had some, you know, people you can, you can communicate with, but it, actually my family and they were not used to that I'm around. Seeing during that much. Yeah. So it was definitely some, you know, it's a beginning. It's the beginning was like joy, you know, oh, now you're at home. You can do this one evening. We were playing a lot of board games, but then after six months, it was like, I'm, I'm sure my kids felt also like, oh, actually, actually he could travel <laughs> again, you know? <laughs> you know, you sure you don't have any business trips this week? <laughs> so from my personal uh, life, actually, even like this is a, it's, it's, it's a horrible, it was a horrible situation for, for all of us, but uh, it's a, just this one, you know, not considering anything else, it was also, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, staying I've, I've at home that. with my family, first, I think first time for me ever, being so, so, so close, so long. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that sentiment from, from several, several people that while it was on a global level, catastrophe continues to be as we, as we live through this pandemic, uh, there was silver linings and that ability to spend so much time with family and, and close friends was, was definitely one of them. Um, but you also had a big transition during the pandemic year. Uh, you transitioned, you took over the CEO role midway through 2020, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Honestly, it was, it was more or less a title. And of course, I, I lost my, my, my friend, Elian. He decided to, to start something new. He's selling wine now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's fine. He needed a change. Um, so we were running that all together. Even like we had different titles. I think we were running it very much together. And we, with this flat hierarchy, it was not something completely new. Of course, we had another some retort, uh, reporting uh, as we are not independent anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So I took over this one. So it wasn't a, not a huge change, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? I guess, leading your team through it or, or, or even your clients. How did you make sure that they were okay throughout all the, tr- all the transition of 2020? I think after, after the first shock and also we had some clients they needed to stop projects immediately. So we had actually mm-hmm. quite some colleagues on the bench, I have to say. So they're coming back from project and we were struggling to find enough work. So we focused a lot on communication. So we changed like monthly meeting to weekly meetings, really to trying to reach everybody on a regular base, um, mm-hmm. ask all our leads to communicate on a regular base, having weekly touch points. So that was very much the focus of first months to stay connected. Even I have to say from just from a setup, it was no difference for us. We from the very even we we focused a lot on, on nice offices. I think when you you know one of our offices they are beautiful. Um, so that is really what we invested a lot. Again, you know, why should I go to an office or to a place I don't like? So again, that is that is our eccentric philosophy. So we 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 built great offices, but also we we built from the beginning systems we could always work remotely together. Mm-hmm. So from the first minute, actually from from day to day works, there was no change. Working from home, we could we are connected to our systems. So that worked perfectly. Also with the clients. It was even better because some clients they forced us to be on site, and sometimes we didn't like it too much. You know, commuting to a client and not being in a nice office sometimes. So they allowed us to work from home. So we initially it was a lot of benefits as well. Um, so we were well connected. Um, we were taking care of each other. Uh, it worked very well with our clients. Um, of course, you also learn the families and the and the pets. You know, they are went through all those video conferences. So it was somehow very close and very a lot more personal. 
that was fine. Of course, after a couple of months, that mute also changes changed. Of course, everybody when was tired of being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was even more to be, you know, communicate, do some smaller events together, meet for a drink, to be connected, but also compensating that, you know, I'm I'm locked down in my house. Right. Right. And also yeah. when you work for different offices, um, certainly when you in a city side of things that you know, living on a village that is better, you, you could still go outside and walk around in the forest um, without, you know, anybody bothering me. But living in a city, in a, in a small apartment, where you typically enjoy the city, mm-hmm. you know, so from Barcelona, yeah. um, that was definitely quite some, a very difficult time for many of our colleagues. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, definitely the marathon. I think there's a novelty to it at first. Like, like we said, being able to, to be at home, NetCentric sounds like it was already engineered and, and set up to be a remote friendly company, but it's different when you're actually locked in, you know, and you can't go to the office, you can't see your colleagues or your clients face to face, that that becomes a challenge. It wears on you and, and you get what's called Zoom fatigue. You know, you, the, the <laughs> video call after video call after video call that takes a, it takes a toll. Uh, how do you think that will come out of, of the post-COVID, post-pandemic world? How do you think NetCentric will look uh, one year from now, let's say? Different. Many of us actually moved out of cities. Mm-hmm. So even like we're opening, or you know, we have opened some offices already, or we're opening them soon. Um, they're not coming back. Even we want them to come back because we're still, you know, we also educating juniors, and it still makes sense to be close to them for for a longer time, and not only meeting them once a once a while on on a video conference system. Um, so we believe we will have a. You believe in actually going back to office. Um, even we allow everybody to work from home, mm-hmm. but we still you know, encourage everybody to come back to office a couple of days a week to enjoy the community. Because at the end, before the, um, the lockdowns, we were enjoying our office life so much. And when you when we had our surveys, it was always like um, the colleagues at NetSendix that is number one, you know, to meet them on a daily basis. For that, you need offices. So in in twelve months from now, I believe we will have a, a healthy mix of working from home, working from office. Mm-hmm. We will also have more remote workers. Means yeah, some of you know some move to some islands in in Spain, um, some move to smaller villages around in Germany. They won't be able to come to office that easily anymore. But we'll be more open and we'll find a ways that we still meet on a regular base. Um, also, like we have many colleagues in India as well, uh, where right now they also enjoying it a lot too. And then many of them, most of them actually moved out of the cities back to their hometowns. Uh, infrastructure is good, um, so they are saving a couple of hours a day on on commute time. As, as also like for me as well, I it takes me two hours to office. Uh, why should I do that on a daily basis? I think there's no need anymore, but there's still still a need to to meet on a regular basis. So we're still encouraging right. everybody to come back. And in 12 months' time, I think we have a, a healthy mix of working from home. We will have colleagues living on an island with a nice background, but also enjoying our offices still um, and meet, especially for educating juniors. I think they still need it to be coached more closely. So I think that is our, what our, our vision everything. Less traveling, definitely. Less traveling. Um, going to client, traveling around in Europe for a meeting, I believe this won't happen anymore. 
but mm-hmm. also I won't miss it that you have like you know you fly to London for an half an hour meeting. Right. I hope this won't come back. But to meet for a longer time in office to work on something together, that has to come back. Yeah, yeah. I think a hybrid future is is definitely on the way. Finding that that balance because uh, some things, collaboration, innovation, they must take place in person. Uh, and, and also ambition. Uh, you know, Netcentrics is a much bigger company now, and being able to to accelerate your career and have those opportunities, those those sometimes happen in the office and and in face to face situations. Uh, but speaking of some of the more junior profiles within Netcentric and and those that might be joining in the future, what advice would you give somebody who's just joined Netcentric or is looking to join Netcentric in one of the upcoming academies? You know, come in, and first they will be shocked. <laughs> Also, like when I do my intro session, very often you journalists are a bit shocked of there's nobody around taking care. It feels like, you know, if you don't have a manager taking care of you, like, oh, you know, tomorrow you have to do this one. Um, so it, is, it takes a while, you know, to enjoy this kind of freedom we are providing and this empowerment. Um, so, so typically, I new journalists always tell, you know, be a bit patient. There, there's actually everybody around the company supporting you, but there's not a single manager taking care of you. That is not our structure. And I think that will continue in the future. And we're expanding to new countries. We're expanding to US to, to run more projects in the US. So we have a lot of possibilities for everybody. Um, you know, working from an island in Spain, running a local project to, you know, be in an international project with colleagues based in India, um, Romania, UK, uh, running running a US-based project. You know, you have kind of opportunities for the future and we're expanding further. Um, and our topic has become so important for our, for our clients that we, you know, we can really choose very, very want to work. Mm-hmm. Now, it also opens up the door to a, a huge ocean of talent that maybe previously was unavailable because they weren't in the right geographies, but now being able to work and, and attract that talent from every corner of the of the planet. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity here, especially with the expansion plans that NetCentric has. That is definitely true. Um, and now even even with our like initial couple of countries where we had offices, um, very quickly, we had like, I think we were up to 50 nationalities we had. And that is also very much us, you know, being so diverse from nationalities. And even as the discussions, of course, we we take it seriously. You know, we look at some statistics, whether we are really right. Um, but we believe from the beginning, everybody is equal, equal pay. That is out of question. We monitor on a regular basis, but it, it comes natural from the very beginning. And, yeah. um, you know, working in so many different countries, of course, you have different backgrounds. But we still, I would even say, handpick those people really say fit to us. Um, and also, I, I'm still involved in many interviews because it's important for me to that they also meet somebody, not only on that we do some checks on, on technical skills. No, it is very much the person we want to hire. It's not, you don't want to have the skills or the capacity, you know. I don't like right. to talk about capacity. You know, I want to talk about a person. I want to see that person. And yeah. they should also join us as a person and enjoy whatever they do here. And with Holacracy also we learned, you know, not everything is perfect, you know, of course not. But we fix stuff and we don't take the problems back home. And that's also mm-hmm. what we teach everybody with get things done and with Holacracy to do your stuff during the day and in the evening you switch off. 
don't take right. your don't take your problems back home you know leave your tensions in the company bring up your tensions and you get support from all your colleagues i think that is our setup we have built and most of the times really it's working well yeah no it sounds like there's a a big bright future ahead with this next uh, this next stage uh, of growth for netcentric both in the markets you're entering as well as the the new geographies uh, i think it'll be a, a very exciting decade to come uh but speaking of that decade to come and as we are running out of time here, I'd like to ask you uh, one final question. And that has to do with uh, which technology or, or innovation are you most excited about coming up in the 21st century and why? It's not flying to the Mars. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one is taken. No, actually, I said drones, you know, that is driving me. They have so many possibilities with drones. So even I personally use it mostly for, you know, taking some nice pictures. Um, but also, so many use cases are around. It is a very simple technology. It is also very cheap, and you know you can you can use it for fire trucks monitoring that you know that that house. You know you do it as an even like an alarm system at your house. And, you know, a drone is starting to monitor your house to transport something, of course, in a, in a cheap way across short distances, even longer distances. I think that is. That is something very real, and there's so many great use cases around. And and again, also technology is very simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's clear we're we're just scratching the surface on the use cases of drones. You know, right now it's a lot of recreational use, and and then certain professional and industrial uses. But I imagine last mile delivery would be very disrupted uh, with uh, with drone deliveries and and all the different uh, niche uses, especially in the industrial complex and being able to survey land and real estate. You'll see a lot of uh, a lot of things, and maybe even in in the CSR, you know, uh, government and social responsibility, as well as as well as environmental, you know, sustainability. I think I think drones monitoring a lot of the quality and efficiency of what we do could be uh, very beneficial. Uh, across the board, across all industries. So yeah, no, very exciting space. Very exciting space to watch. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Gerhard, for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking with you and getting to know you and, and learning a little bit about how you got to the position and where you are at Netcentric and, and where you think Netcentric will be going in the in the near future. So thank you very much for your time and, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you, Scott. It was really nice uh, having the chat with you. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.